Hello, Matthew. Hello, Sigurd. Hi. Great to have you guys on the show. So, either one of you, tell us a little bit about what you do and why I have you on here right now. I can start. I am trying to reach out with the result of a logic examination I've done for 30 years. And it's absolutely hopeless to reach experts. So it's you're operating outside of academia. Uh, mm -hmm. And what is your background? Well, I have three years at, at the university in philosophy. And I think it included two terms, two semesters or what they call it, uh, say one year then, of logic also in it. So I'm not completely without academic uh, practice. You see, I, I broke contact with the university because the project I engaged in it was so um, unlikely to succeed. So I felt that if I if I stay at the university, I, I will be talked out of it. I will sort of get interested in other things. And I really felt that I could do the impossible. Understandable. I said understandable. And what is your background, Matthew? Pretty much just here for moral support for Siggy. Um, I, uh, I don't have a, a great deal of background in in uh in academia um my major is in business administration um and i i'm just an interested amateur in in science particularly in physics um a little bit in philosophy uh, and i've i've been a, a very active member and admin in sigurd's um brainchild the foundation of logic uh, you can find out more about that on www.foundationoflogic.com. Uh, and I'm pretty much just really, really interested in learning all that I can and bringing other people along on that journey. So what is the foundation of logic? What purpose does it serve? In the beginning, it was simply that I wanted to meet professional logicians. But um, while waiting for them, uh, other people showed in and um, well, I tried to speak a little about logic, but the point was it was more speaking logically that counted for people. I mean, rational argumenting and um, I, I support that. I think it's uh, it's uh, advisable to um, think clearly. That reminds me, and as you know, I've been studying Leibniz and putting together a documentary on him, that one of his great ambitions was to put together a universal alphabet of sorts using logical primitives as a way of resolving issues quickly and easily, of turning it into a science rather than a 
semantic game that may or may not have any relationship to reality. Foundations, what is the goal exactly? Where do you see it going? Exploring the same area as Leibniz was exploring. I believe he was exploring. Uh, you see, it is this point of semantics, understanding the language, to interpreting the sound, the signs. I mean, to understand the words, simply. That is semantics. And it is really a prerequisite when you discuss log logic. And his idea of escaping semantics uh, is very doubtful because you need to understand uh, this, this language he is imagining. I mean, the trouble is in interpreting the language uh, in the same way. I suppose I should have asked this earlier, although we've already touched upon it. Why exactly is pure logic so important? It seems very abstract and sometimes obvious. But it takes so many words to explain something so simple and so seemingly obvious, doesn't it? Yes, and uh, Principia Mathematica by Russell is an example of how long it can take to prove one and one make two. <laughs> yeah, I like this discussion. Go on. Which is something else that we will cover here is Gödel and his incompleteness theorem. And I know Sigurd yeah. has a heterodox opinion about it. It goes a little bit against the mainstream. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Is there anything that you do that doesn't? <laughs> I try to stay within the ordinary uh, interpretations, but not when they lead into contradiction. So from there, let's talk a little bit about the liar paradox, which is how Matthew discovered you and one of the first things I ever saw you post. You want me to lay out the quick text? I should have practiced. Let me see. The normal expression is, what I am saying now is not true. Uh, we could use other formulations like, you don't believe what I now tell you. Or, you disagree totally with what I'm saying. Yes, and that creates a circle, a paradox, a contradiction. Yeah. And then the question is, how do we resolve this fairly arcane matter? Well, there are traditional methods. By excluding this circle business, you are not allowed to speak of what you are just speaking. You cannot refer, you are not allowed to refer to what you are saying. This is basically the standard, the standard uh, way. It can be done in some slightly similar ways. Like you name Principia Mathematica. Uh, the other uh, 
more spread way is uh, the way of Alfred Tarski, using meta-languages. But it's basically the same approach. Now, a meta-language, what is that exactly? And what did Tarski mean when he was talking about them? Well, uh, we can do a way of demonstrating it is take your own language and put quotes around every expression in your language. <laughs> then you have the names of expressions in your language. These names can sort of be the, 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 the subject, subjects matters in the meta-language. It begins with you grabbing a quote and then saying something about what in, what is inside the quote. Mm -hmm. And how does this relate to logic and are there any practical applications for it? It's basically semantics now. Uh, you see, it's like this. Logic has been restricted from... It was originally seen as a rather universal thing. But now, since logicians have problems with explaining paradoxes. They sort of moved the foundation of logic outside logic. The foundation of logic I see basically as semantics. Mm -hmm. uh, I see it in how do we decide the truth value on statements. I mean, how do we know that any statement is true? Well, that is not the problem for a logician. The logician starts with first assigning truth values. And he doesn't care how it is done. He starts when the truth values are there on the sentences. And then he explains what happens afterwards. How you combine sentences into complex sentences. How you decide if one sentence is follows out of another sentence, and so on. So where should the foundations of logic reside? It's in a single concept, negation. Negation is, yes, is where it's it basic. begins. It's fundamental. Now why negation? The affirmation has a slight problem. By itself, it cannot produce its opposite. Uh, the negation. I mean, how many? I mean, you, you make a claim and you make another claim. You go on making claims, but you can a claim like that can not deny another claim. You need negation because when you start. So, for example, if I say the cat is black, okay, the negation is the cat is not black. Ah, uh, you, negation. You should be careful. It is not the case that the cat is black. There's, there's a slight difference there. If you say the cat is not black, then you sort of negate part of the sentence. You negate the predicate in the sentence. You should negate the whole sentence to be safe. Well, if I say the cat is not black, then I'm just negating the adjective I'm applying to it. Yes, the blackness. You negate, negate in that. Uh, 
You're not negating the whole thing. So there is still a cat there. And yeah, but the... And it so presumably has a color. There, there is no black cat? So that's a concrete example on a more abstract level. What exactly does this mean for your system? Well, <laughs> what I'm saying here is that the laws of logic are derib derivable from the concept of negation. So, for my listeners, what are some of the major disputes in logic, and how does your system resolve them in contrast to others? Well, basically, it's that I allow self-reference. I restore classic logic, uh, because modern logic is an, a result of the existence of the paradoxes. If the paradoxes do not exist, then we don't need this modern logic. We can manage with classic logic. And what I do is basically show how to uh, solve the liar paradox, to solve it up, to make it vanish, to make it disappear, without changing anything in, in the logic. Classic logic. So, what I'm saying that every time a logic is derived, there is a logical mistake done in the derivation. The problem is it is difficult to see. So, step by step, do you have some sort of proof of the liar's paradox? Some sort of formal proof? And not, not of the paradox. I show that the paradox cannot be derived validly. I show that the formal, any formal proof of the liar, of the existence of the liar paradox is, is not valid. And this has consequences. And what are these consequences? Uh, for instance, uh, Tarski's uh, proof that uh, semantically closed languages are inconsistent is invalid. And what exactly does that mean in plain English? Uh, Tarski said that if a language can discuss its own concepts, especially the concept of truth, then paradox arises. It's basically, he says that the liar paradox is there in the language. It's easy to sort of put the liar paradox in the center for attention here. Tarski says that the liar paradox can be derived in a natural language. So we have to start using formal languages. So it's really... The paradox is just a byproduct of language. It is not of, of misuse of language. The paradox is misused. You are you are doing something you are not allowed to do. 
I, yes, I suppose you could call it misuse, but I, it's still acceptable by the rules of English or ancient Greek or Sanskrit or whatever you're speaking. You're doing a logical <laughs> error. Is that acceptable? <laughs> I mean, if you write down one plus one is three, is that acceptable? But how many logical errors do we make every day by just speaking? How often do we deceive ourselves with speech? Semantical question. Uh, empirical semantics, it's, uh, it's, uh, we, we could dig, dig into it. I would say that most, most sentences we construct are well constructed. They are valid. They are not uh, any logical errors in them. So, for the most part, natural language serves its purpose. Yep. Except it's a practical matter, because when you're talking about about language, you're you're generally talking about communication between people, usually in a more practical sense. The words themselves have no intrinsic meaning. Uh, when I say something, I mean something by what I say, but what I mean to say may not be what you hear, right? Right. So, just because someone is, uh, is saying something that ends up being a paradox, it doesn't mean that it refers to a real thing. If you can write a line of code in a computer program, and that line of code only ends up going in a circle, and the program does nothing and installs your computer. It's the same thing. Good. Yes. I mean, th th this stopping problem is relevant to this discussion. This stopping problem is very accurate here because it is, it is a loop that is uh, self-destructive in a, in a sense. I mean, you have, but it is not the, only the loop. It is, misuse or negation uh, involved here and uh, I really would like sort of in, in order to present this I really would like to begin by solving the liar paradox but um, as we have it now you sort of have to trust my, my description of it and I don't like that as you see trusting is not what the logician does uh, he he wants everything, every assumption down on paper so he can check everything. And when it, but I believe, let's do it this way. I believe that my solving of the liar paradox has bearing on the problem of get uh, saving computers from uh, uh, being caught in those loops. Mm -hmm. Because let me say it like this, there are some predicates are paradoxical. This means that if you use them self-referentially, a paradox will be produced. Now, if you know that there are such predicates, you just, you, you, you can make a list of them and you can make a test. You can make the computer test, is this predicate a paradoxical predicate. If it is, then I am the paradox. The, the computer may not use it, say, self-referentially. 
you get the point here. The computer can itself test if using a predicate will make it run forever. Yes. It can foresee consequences when it knows how to test for this. A sort of debugging that's built into the code itself. Uh, I think so. This is Matthew's speciality. You see, I'm a philosopher, uh, formerly a logic student, and I have gone my own way. So, there are some things that I'm afraid I cannot sort of... Most people are better on some things than I am. It's only in my speciality that uh, that I'm, they should listen to me, what I'm saying. Well, there's, there's, there's really no difference. Uh, if you're talking about the uh, computer language or you're talking about um, a spoken language, there, there's really no difference. When it comes back to it, you're all talking about, about logic. It's only how do you communicate that logic. If the logic is wrong, then the, the physical consequences, you know, when you're, when you're speaking, the information that's carried, whether or not it makes sense, whether or not it carries the information and the meaning that you want to, if you're talking about computer code, whether or not it has the effect, the desired effect, all comes from whether or not it's logical, whether or not um, everything lines up to do what you want. The language is only a practical matter. It's not the underlying meaning. It's not the underlying uh, logic. I think it was, uh, um, I don't remember who said it. Um, it said something to the effect of, I confuse things with their names. That is belief. Good. You know? And uh, I think you meant, you, I think you meant Kosybski. The map is not the terrain. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, it's really the, the same thing, you know. If I say, you were speaking earlier of, of uh, something about a black cat, what do I mean by a black cat? You already have to have an understanding of what cat is, of what black is, and how do you explain those things? You end up only using other words, and we have to have um, a consensus on what these things are. So... All of logic starts with a premise. It all starts with assumptions based on something that we commonly hold as a belief together. Um, if you have a wild person in the woods who somehow came to such a point where they started to study logic on their own, their version of logic would certainly be different than an educated person's or somebody who has been around other people because their view of the world could not begin to be the same. So it's it's linked, it has to be inexorably linked to language. The theory of meaning is central here, called semantics. I mean, how do we know what a cat is, what black is, and what mat is? And how do we know what it means that the cat is on the mat? And so on. It is a question of meaning. Uh, that has to be solved. We have there. We have Quine, who who believes that uh, we can never be very be exactly sure how to understand uh, this uh, native own speech. There may be differences. By cat, he may means it is catting. 
I mean, he can use and such difference. So, uh, on the, it's it's important to understand that there is semantics, the theory of meaning, and there is logic. It is the theory of what we do with these meanings when we when we have these meanings. Uh, clear to us when we can look at the word and say well this word means that and not that and not that and not that and that is where well I stop there but because this is important to understand the difference between semantics and logics and understand that logic needs that the semantic part is done because if we don't understand what our terms mean how then could we understand what they mean when they make a sentence together? So, jumping ship a little bit, what exactly is the relationship between logic and mathematics? Hmm. You, you can begin, Matthew, but while I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things I had said before to, to, to Sigurd, because my, um, my understanding of, of, uh, formal logic has come pretty much squarely from him. Um, I said that logic is mathematics without numbers. And, um, that seems to be a fairly accurate description to me, right? Um, X is X, right? Um, if, if, um, this thing is, that thing then this other thing happens right it's all um i remember as a kid um going to the library and and looking for for books right and there was it was a really antiquated system of course and it was even antiquated for that time um and and they had um boolean logic and boolean values right and i course i didn't know what that was but i could look up all the words that were used and you know if but then whatever um and when you look at that all you're doing is is um sort of a simplified version of of math or the same or a similar thing that you do in mathematics yes. just without numbers to me to you know the uneducated Neanderthal. <laughs> He's playing himself down. <laughs> Watch. My More. turn now. Uh, your, your turn first, Captain. <laughs> but they're certainly related, and in some way logic must be important to math, and there's been some cross-fertilization between the two areas. At least, as I understand, math must be logical. If it's not logical, it's, it doesn't work. You know, your formulas don't work. Your 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 uh, what's a really famous one? The, your quadratic formula, right? <laughs> uh, you can't figure out uh, what the Babylonians figured that out some two thousand years ago to figure out how to pay taxes better, so that they could figure out the area of their of their farm plots, right? Because it became a big deal. Somewhere, somewhere around you know, here, um, <laughs> about and, uh, uh, about four thousand years ago, four well, or five thousand. But uh, yes, so a study of 
formal logic is useful to mathematicians, crucial maybe, or yes. to computer programmers. I, I think it's been helpful to me as a program. Mm -hmm. uh, should, I, should I start? Uh, mathematics in itself is basically language. It's just a restricted language where you concentrate on numbers and forms. Mm -hmm. So that's my first uh, thing to say, that mathematics and language are uh, the same thing. I will just, uh, I want to stay a little bit on that, just proving the thing that there is no mathematical formulas that cannot be translated into an ordinary language. No result in mathematics can not be explained in ordinary language and vice versa. So they are translatable into each other. That means that they are basically the same thing that there are different ways of doing the same thing. Now, some ways of doing things are specialized. We have for every profession, there is a sort of specialized language, uh, simplified their communication, simplifying their communication system. So, I mean, specialized language is a common thing. And mathematics is a very old specialized language. Now, this is a thesis I want to express to, 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 to really underscore because I'm using it when I'm attacking Gull. Because I have no interest in going through his actual proof, mathematical proof, because it's so bloody long and complicated. So, what I do is I translate it into ordinary language and attack it from that. That we leave aside now because that is something that we are going into. If there is following up on this, we're going to go into good. Uh, but then we'll do some preparations, you know, we must have some blackboard uh, things and we just can't talk things. We must show things visually. Uh, there. Okay. Uh, next. So, in language, language can discuss language. What am I saying right now? Let me think. It started with a W, then came an H, then came an A, then came a T, and then came a separation. You see, I could go on like this and trying to describe what I'm what I'm saying, and I will, I would get into an infinite sentence because the more I describe. Mm -hmm the more there is to, there, there becomes to describe. So, this is an effect of self-reference. I mean, I took it now in ordinary language. Ordinary language can make a picture of itself. The same goes for math. And mathematicians, there was a guy he called after Leibniz. I mean, Leibniz was an, did inspire the whole mathematical world in his time, in his day. And um, there was this guy called Boole, who made a model who of worked, logic. Who worked sometime after Leibniz, about, yes. uh, about 200 said, years after, well, um, 150 years after his death. Oh, you really have read up on this. <laughs> cool. But it is true. He made a model where the plus and minus 
took on logical meanings. So he, he succeeded in translating logic into a mathematic system, into a, a, what is the name now? Ah, okay, let it be that way. I mean, what he did was making an interpretation of mathematics that turned mathematics into a logic system instead of a mathematics system. So there is the beginning of, uh, and of course, then, then he opens up for the possibility of creating paradoxes in mathematics. So, but paradoxes are very old things that go back to the ancient Greeks. True. And so the, the problem I have solved, solved is about almost 3,000 years old. So, I mean, when I go out saying that I have solved that problem, nobody believes me. They don't listen to my arguments. They just say, well, this is an impossible problem to solve, so there's no need to listen to this crazy guy who claims he has solved it. Make it a little more Yes, because I need, I need help of presenting my results. I, can, I understand that. Because I'm a rough Swede, and I'm impatient, and I have lots of bad qualities. So I need some sort of... A, Makeup, I mean, makeup artist, somebody who presents my ideas in a proper way because I am, I won't bother. Oh, if, right. if they don't listen to me as I, as I am, it's not my problem. I mean, I yes. am me, I'm saying, I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an egomaniac. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. But, uh, Yes, we've gotten some good material here. I think cut down, it will be about 30, 35 minutes. And uh -huh. you will look good, and I'm sure it will draw some people to foundations. Well, that's a good result. Hopefully expert, because if there is anything... I mean, what I really like is to... Is to have the professors come in. But you know what happens? There was this guy telling me that he he, uh, he had spoken to his professor about me, and uh, uh, he, the professor looked into the foundation and said, ah, well, this is nothing for me. So he did not face me. He did not check into me. He just, instead, he said, well, the guys in here, the people inside here are, I don't remember exactly what the professor said, but for te over 10 years now, I have tried to sort of get to speak with the professionals. One assistant professor tried to survive again, uh, survive and tell me how wrong I am, but, you know, um, he didn't succeed. He, he still is with me in foundation, but we are not really on talking terms because that <laughs> I let it end, end in a draw because he retreated into computer language and I decided, well, then I won't follow because I am out of touch with the realities there. So he escaped. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm sure... If you have things to tend to, and I've gotten, well, I'm going to 
stop recording, we can continue talking.